0: We've looked through forgiveness, hope, community, and compassion. Um, we come to this passage last week, Eli, Eli, Labis Fakthani my God, my God, where have you forsaken me at? Why have you forsaken me at? Desperation. We come to this one. I thirst. Some of you might have uh, read the Lent book. Anyone do the Lent course this year? Read that book? A couple of us. Uh, Look, We started it, didn't we, and then COVID hit, so... You might have read the first few chapters or maybe gone on to finish the book, I Thirst, a um, book by a bishop um, about it. And he writes a whole book on these two words, which is quite impressive, really. Um, uh, I thirst. If we've gone through this journey of forgiveness and of hope and of mercy and compassion and of, of desperation, where are you, God? Come to this, I thirst. Maybe Jesus is just quoting the middle of Psalm 22. Which we looked at last week. It's the psalm that begins with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then if we read down a little bit, it talks talks about in verse 19, My strength is dried up, my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. Maybe Jesus is just carrying on the psalm and he's just got to that bit, and that's the bit that John notes here. Maybe Jesus is just thirsty. I mean, if you've ever looked into what crucifixion entails and what it does to your body, it's a particularly gruesome and unpleasant... If you've ever watched the passion film, powerful film, you see what it does to, does to a man. And I thirst is a very natural response at that point. As his mouth will become dry, and as he struggles to breathe and he cries out, I, I thirst. It's a very physical thing. But John doesn't do anything by accident. When he writes his Gospels, everything seems to have a little bit of extra meaning, an extra layer, an extra... I suppose that's what inspired scripture does to you. I thirst. How many of you feel that? Now, at this point, I don't just mean we don't do tea and coffee after the service. I mean that, like, how many of you feel that? Of like, I've tasted something before, but I want to taste it again. Like a dear pants, as the psalmist says, so my soul longs for you. Is there something in it? Is there a deeper sense here of Jesus saying, I'm losing something? One of the reasons I chose that that hymn is because it talks a little bit, doesn't it, about the separation that happens. Do we ever feel a bit of separation? Maybe just with family members. Maybe with friends, maybe more powerfully with God. That as Jesus starts by saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do we feel that leaving, that longing, that thirst for something deeper, a thirst for something to come back? Maybe Jesus is experiencing what we all experience at times where God seems to withdraw. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus, knowing all these things that come to fruition, come to finalisation, come to completion, says, I thirst. Maybe he wants that connection back. Really interesting bit of scripture. Like I say, John doesn't do anything by accident. Right? If you just read through the book of John, everything he says seems to have like, several meanings, which is good because people are preaching on him like 2,000 years later and we get bored if it was the same thing. So it's good that there's lots and lots of meanings. John sorry, says some really interesting things here um, which Martha has just read to us. Jesus says, I thirst, and then the soldiers, if we just imagine the scene, Jesus hanging on the cross, I thirst, maybe he's experiencing this disconnection with God. He says, I thirst, and the soldiers, what they do is they get a sponge, and for some reason there's some, there's some vinegar kicking around, so they're like, oh, we'll have a bit of that, and then they get there's some wine for some reason, maybe they were having a drink, just dip that in there, dip that in there, They attach it to a hyssop branch, and no one... I've I've tried reading. i tried to do my research for you. i try tried to find stuff out for you to share with you. I've looked at what the hyssop branch is, and what I've deduced is that no one knows, but everyone likes to pretend they know. Because everyone very authoritatively says, this was the hyssop branch, and everyone else says, no, it definitely wasn't that. Whatever. Anyway, there is a branch. There's a hyssop branch. They attach the sponge, they lift it up to Jesus' mouth, and then... Can I share... I've got lots of memories of ECBC. happy ones, ones that are. I... Does anyone remember when they're wide ones? Yes. For <laughs> those of you who weren't here, I'll briefly tell you the story we were having communion. <laughs> I don't know if I to laugh about this because communion is such a sacred and important. But honestly, it was hilarious. And at the back, there's um, there's like some. They, normally, whoever's in charge of communion gets the bread and they get the grape juice. Um, because we're Baptist, obviously. Uh, <laughs> But there's some non alcoholic wine out the back and clearly whoever was on communion, um, I don't think it was you, Frank. i not <laughs> 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 uh, clearly saw the non alcoholic wine, was like, oh yeah, we'll have some of that. Instead of just grape juice, that'll taste more authentic, let's let's go with the non-alcoholic wine. Good idea. But they didn't realise that the bottle had been open about six months. <laughs> they pour it all out and everyone in quite a solemn and powerful moment we all drink together, we take this and it is the vilest thing I've ever drunk. <laughs> I think half congregation spat it out It was truly grim And I couldn't help but think of this passage here In John To try and give it some kind of spiritual meaning Of what was just A fairly unpleasant experience The wine mixed with vinegar I've never tasted wine with vinegar But that was pretty close And And Jesus takes this This bitter, horrible wine mix It's just vile I don't know if the soldiers were playing some kind of sick practical joke on Jesus, getting something that would quench his thirst but really doesn't because it's so bitter and horrible. Maybe some people think they were genuinely being kind and that word for wine was, it was, it was a painkiller. That's what that was. It would have just something to dull the pain. Um, tell you what, drinking that certainly took my mind off anything else that was going on at the moment. So maybe that, but, but that was that was maybe the reason they had it at the cross. Maybe it was a genuine act of kindness to kind of dull the pain for the people on the on the cross as they bring it. I was thinking about this though. Why does John write it? The Passover was a central feast for the Jewish people, and depending on how you count the days, it may well have been that Jesus is is. Uh, sacrificed at exactly the same time that the lambs are being sacrificed in Jerusalem, depending on how you count the days around the festival. And one of the things that they do, if you've ever taken part in a Passover or read about it, is they dip the bitter herbs and then they taste it. They taste the bitter herbs. And they do that because they know that in order to make a new future, you need to remember where you came from. In order to enter into something new, you need to make peace, you need to remember, you need to reconnect with some of the pain that you have been through. That is why at the start of every AA meeting, hello, my name is so-and-so and I am an alcoholic. Not I used to be an alcoholic, not I used to do that and now I'm completely fine, not that was in my past, I don't think about it, I squashed that, I don't worry about that anymore. No, I am an alcoholic. Why? Because the pain makes us who we are. And in order to build a new future, we need to accept, perhaps even embrace where we have come from in order to enter into something new. The Israelites knew that, and that's why every year they ate the bitter herbs. That's why I think, as Jesus hangs there on the cross and says, I thirst, they offer him a bitter drink. And if you can remember, what it was like that Sunday communion. You can feel that taste in your mouth. There's something bitter about it. There's something deeply unpleasant. And Jesus hangs there. There's a pain that we can embrace. There's a past that we can accept. There's a place we have come from that we can own, that allows us to enter into something new. Jesus doesn't just take his own pain. He takes ours. Jesus doesn't just take on his own struggles at the cross. The bitterness of the vinegar wasn't just his own. It was ours. He takes all of that. And he takes it into himself as they dip the wine in the vinegar, in the hyssop, and offer it to Jesus. The vinegar speaks of where we've come from, and the wine speaks of where we go. Jesus says that the wine symbolises a new kingdom. Don't put the old wine in the old, in the new wine skin, says Jesus. There's something new, there's something fresh, there's something coming, there's something powerful, there's something rich, there's something special. So take the wine and remember me because the wine symbolises the new kingdom. And Jesus mixes the wine and the vinegar. Takes it into his body because there's the pain, there's the future, there's the hope and all of it is intermingled. All of it comes together. All of it Quenches our thirst, yet makes us more thirsty. If you've ever had a bit too much to drink, you'll know that feeling. It quenches your thirst, but it makes you more thirsty. Why people wake up after a night out desperate for a glass of water, despite having drunk far too much the night before. There's something about the wine and the vinegar that quenches the thirst, but makes you more thirsty. Is that what we need? Come to God, I want something that quenches my thirst but makes me more thirsty. I never want to leave on a Sunday thinking, that's done that. I know everything I could possibly know. That itch has been forever scratched. I'm now perpetually at peace mentally. I don't have to worry about God anymore. Everything is, no. I want something that quenches my thirst yet makes me more thirsty. And there's wine and there's vinegar. And it's offered to Jesus on the hyssop. The Israelites at Passover would eat the bitter herbs. They'd drink about four glasses of wine over the course of the evening. And then they'd take the hyssop branch. And although no one knows what branch it is, we know it was the same branch, whatever that tree was from. They took the hyssop branch, they dipped it in the blood and they painted it over the doorposts. Why? Because that blood meant that death would pass over. Because that sacrifice meant that death didn't enter into that house. That sacrifice meant that that house was saved. You know the cross as Jesus hangs there and says I'm thirsty. The soldiers dip the hyssop branch into the wine. And they offer it to Jesus. That sacrifice. It means that death passes over. It's the sacrifice that means that this house, this family, this soul does not need to enter into death. It's that sacrifice that means that this house is saved. One of the things that people say about Hyssop was that it was used as kind of on wounds and stuff to clean them up. That Hyssop just used to cleanse. And again we have this image. The cleansing power. There's something about the cross that cleanses us. And there's something about the cross that says because of this sacrifice, death will pass over. And as the Israelites have done for thousands of years, as they dipped the hyssop in the blood of the lamb and smeared it over their doorposts so that death would pass over. So that they would remember where God has saved them in the past. So Jesus hangs on the cross and they dip the hyssop into the blood which would have mixed with the wine and mixed with the vinegar at the foot of the cross as his blood would have dripped down and holds it up to Jesus' face. And he takes it upon himself. Why? Because this hyssop, this blood, makes us whole. Because this blood makes us saved. Because of this sacrifice, because of this cross, because of this lamb, we are saved. Death passes over. I want to live under the shadow of that hyssop branch. I want to live under the shadow of the hyssop branch that declares me clean, that cleans me up, that takes away the scars. But I also want to be the kind of person who drinks the bitter wine. I want to be the kind of person who drinks from something that quenches my thirst but makes me more thirsty. I don't want to forget what's come before. We don't pretend that the bitterness doesn't exist. We don't get rid of the vinegar. We drink it because we remember in order to make a new future, we need to remember where we came from. I want to live under the hiss of branch that makes me clean. I want to keep drinking the vinegar to remember the pain I have experienced, not to shut it away. Because I know that's made me who I am. And in owning that, we can move to a new future. A future that is symbolised by the blood, the new kingdom, the new life, the new love. There's blood, there's wine, there's vinegar, there's hyssop. And as with everything else in John's Gospel, it all speaks to us. Let's pray. God, we come before you thirsty. We come before you knowing that we need more of you, that we need something bigger than ourselves. I pray we would have the courage to take hold of that which quenches our thirst but makes us more thirsty in the process. We pray that we would take hold of yourself, not as some end point, but as something that spurs us on to bring in a new kingdom. Thank you for the history. Thank you that you cleanse us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that because of that sacrifice, because of that lamb and because of that blood, death will pass over. We thank you that because of that sacrifice, us and our house are saved. Thank you, Jesus, for your word that speaks to us in so many different ways. In Jesus' name, Amen on the